Good morning, everybody. Happy Thursday to you. My name is Tim Harris. It's 10 o'clock. That means it's time for Tim with Tim. We are going verse by verse through the book of Acts, and today we're in Acts chapter 11, verses 1 to 30. I am so glad you're with me. Thank you for your commitment to the Word of God and your friendship and partnership and reading it together. I just love it. Uh, you make me better. Uh, you make me read uh, more slowly, more carefully. I think I'm learning more because of the opportunity to share with you every day. So I can't thank you enough. You are uh, definitely making me a better student of the word. God bless you. Uh, Acts chapter 11. Uh, understand that Acts chapter 10 verse 1 through about uh, verse 18 of chapter 11. This is the single uh, longest uninterrupted story in the book of Acts. Um, it's, it's one story uh, and it's kind of right here, uh, almost in the middle of the book. Uh, it's very important. It's very, very important because what's happening here is the launch of the Gentile mission. It, it's the expansion of the minds of the early believers, early Jewish believers, so that the mission itself can be expanded to the uttermost parts of the earth. But it's a really difficult, really difficult transition for these early believers to make, these early Jews to make, uh, you know, I, I start verse eleven, and I, you know, there's a part of me that goes, man, church people, you know, can't 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 they just turn it off for you know one minute, you know? Um, the news comes back that Gentiles had received the word of God. Now you would think that well, you know, praise the Lord, you know, how wonderful. But no, 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 they're mad because Peter apparently, you know, stayed in the home of a Gentile and ate and drank, you know, at his table. You know, again, there's a part of me that's like, man, church people, you know, I could jump out a window <laughs> because there's always, I mean, it doesn't matter what God does, somebody in the church is going to complain about it, you, you know? They're going to find something to bellyache about. And again, I don't mean to sound bitter. It's it's just, y'all, you're all church people. I assume you are. You know what I'm talking about, you know? It's just like, can you not just... Be thankful for what God is doing and not try to find fault, you know? But they find something not to like about the fact that people just got saved in, you know, Caesarea, you know? Whew, okay, that's one side of me. The other side of me is able to take a breath and go, but you know, it's hard. Change is hard. And Peter didn't, you know, just wake up one day and decide to go preach to Gentiles. You know, God had to grab him by the collar, you know, and drag him, you know, basically to Caesarea to, and, and, and introduce him. You know, the Holy Spirit had to, you know, bring him to, you know, just drop him in Cornelius's house. And, you know, it was hard for Peter. And it's not, it's, it's, it's going to continue to be hard for Peter if you read, you know, Paul's letters. Peter backslides on this. I mean, this is a hard, hard uh, thing it's a it's like trying to flip a switch you know of what you've always thought and all of a sudden stop thinking that way and so the Jews here it's just you know a lifetime and years of tradition and years of believing that a good Jew wouldn't do these things you know and Peter has just broken all the rules so you got to love Peter because Peter doesn't say what I would say you know why can't you church people just be happy <laughs> he doesn't he just he quietly, patiently goes back and tells him the whole story. 
Peter got a vision from God. They didn't. Peter has seen this with his own eyes. They haven't. And so Peter, you know, very meticulously walks them back through everything we just, you know, read in chapter 10. I mean, he tells the whole story. And, 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 and I love what he says. The Holy Spirit fell on them just as he fell on us, you know. And then I started thinking about what Jesus said. I mean, you and I forget just how recently, you know, they were with Jesus, you know, so recently. And Peter says, and then I start remembering what Jesus said, how, you know, he would baptize with the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit of Jesus came down on these Gentiles. I saw it. And since God gave these Gentiles the same gift he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to stand in God's way? You know, ooh, man, Peter, you are so good. You know, that is so good. Uh, they got the same Holy Spirit we got when we believed in Jesus. So who, who was I to stand in God's way? You know, you don't stand in God's way, you know? Man, I, I love this. And when they heard that, they stopped their belly aching and they started praising God. You know, mm. there's a good lesson there for me as a pastor. You know, if, if you just slow down, be patient, stop and explain to people why you're doing what you're doing. Stop and explain to people why you feel like this is important for the gospel, why it's important for the mission. But, you know, so often, you know, you know, you know, I mean, it takes me forever sometimes to hear a word from God that I want to stand in the pulpit and preach it one time and expect the whole congregation to get it, you know, as soon as I got it, you know. And, and I'm telling you, you know, often, you know, God works in my heart over time and, and, and in slow ways. And, and I need to expect that God will continue to work in other people's hearts over time and in slow ways, you know. And I, I love Peter's patience here as he, as he explains how he came to this realization because once he explains it, then they praise God too. And, and, and again, I, I just love that so much. This Jewish notion of racial superiority, you know, it comes from, in some ways, an exaggerated uh, notion of holiness that you find in the Old Testament. You know, the, the people of God now, you know, live with God among them, which does make them unique in all the world. They're God's chosen people, uh, not because they're better, or because God loves them more, but because they have a specific purpose in salvation history. I said this yesterday. And so they, you know, probably came to some wrong conclusions, you know, because of God's choosing them for this specific purpose, you know, they begin to assume somehow that, that, that this holiness, this being set apart from the world means to be set above or to be, you know, somehow better which was never at all the case. In Jesus's life and ministry, he taught that that those holiness rules, you know, don't eat, don't drink, don't touch, were, were, were not, you know, to be carried forward as, you know, the priority of God. But instead, God was concerned about inward holiness. He cared about hearts, you know. I mean, the Pharisees in Jesus's day obviously could keep all the rules and then still put him on the cross and feel like they were doing God's work. And, and that's where, like, religion takes you off course, you have to continue to have a soft heart toward the Spirit of God. And, and that inward holiness, of course, is, 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 is a part of the gospel. That's why you and I have to be really, really careful because I think sometimes we still want people to be like us so that they can become like Jesus. And I'm telling you, you don't have to be like me. You don't have to come to my church. You don't have to sing my songs. You don't have to speak my language. You don't have to worship the way I worship. 
You know, I mean, we have to recognize this, that they don't have to be like us. But see, that, that's the Jewish fallacy here in the beginning. They do believe that the gospel is for the nations. They believe it's for the Gentiles too. They just believe that the Gentiles must become Jews before they can become Christians. You know, they've got to accept all of the Jewish traditions, all of the Jewish rules. They've got to become Jews in order to become Christians. This is that, that, that Judaizing, uh, you know, philosophy is what Paul will have to confront over and over and over on the Gentile mission. You keep got these Jews who keep coming through trying to tell the Gentiles, you got to be a Jew before you can be a Christian. You understand what I'm saying? And this is what the Holy Spirit is showing the church in this moment, that, that no, the Holy Spirit will receive these people as his own. You know, that, that they're Christians and they don't have to be Jews. They don't have to become Jews. They don't have to look like Jews at all because they're Christians, just like you're a Christian if you confess Jesus. Anyway, in this moment, verse 18, 19, they get it, that they seem to get it. Uh, what follows here is, is amazing. It seems kind of, you know, ordinary in a sense. We got Barnabas. Man, don't you love Barnabas? He's just so cool. Uh, the, uh, the, the Christians who are, you know, on the front lines there continue to spread the gospel to the Gentiles. And the, the Jews back home keep, you know, being a little bit worried about that. So they send Barnabas up. But, you know, Barnabas is a good one. Barnabas gets there. He recognizes brothers and sisters in Christ, whether they're Gentiles or not. And so he just says, you know, he just encourages them. He tells them, hey, you know, just keep on, keep on loving Jesus. Just keep on staying true to Jesus. I mean, that's all Barnabas says. Just be true to Jesus. You know, you do your thing to be true to Jesus. And that was his encouragement. And then Barnabas has this idea. He remembers Saul. Like, and again, Years have passed now. Years have passed. But Barnabas just thinking, man, what about Saul? He was back in Tarsus. What's he doing now? You know, and I don't know what Saul's doing now. You don't know either. We don't know what Saul's doing. For all we know, he's like managing a Chick-fil-A in Tarsus. And Barnabas goes through the drive through and says, Saul, won't you just get in and, uh, and come with me? And so Saul does. He gets in Barnabas's car and goes with him. And they go back to Antioch. And there, Barnabas and Saul are kind of you know, preaching partners, teaching partners with the Gentiles uh, for a full year in Antioch. And then the note here, it's in Antioch that the believers first became known as Christians. Uh, it's an Antioch among Gentile, you know, church, a mixed church. They're first called Christians, and I love that. Uh, verses 27 to 30, wrapping up the chapter here, uh, a prophet named Agabus has this word from the Lord that there's going to be this terrible famine in, uh, in the entire Roman world, especially Jerusalem. And so it actually happened in the reign of Claudius. Uh, but the believers in Antioch decide, as a sign of unity, as a sign of Christian uh, brotherhood, they decide to take up a love offering, you know, for for those in Jerusalem and Judea, and they gave everything as as, as much as they could. And Barnabas and Saul were to deliver that. Uh, I don't know a whole lot about that. We have to talk about that some more. But when we get into some of the letters of Paul in the future. Uh, we'll remember how Paul uh, is always taking up this offering to carry back to Jerusalem. So it sounds like this prophecy, this this notion of the poor, the, those who are going to see a famine in Jerusalem, it, it sounds like uh, Paul continued as a sign of goodwill among the Gentile believers to collect this offering, to be able to bring this love offering back you know, to the mother church and say, look, you know, uh, there are brothers and sisters that care about you. 
uh, it's, it's kind of a sign of goodwill, but I think uh, this is just that note that explains the way that Paul continues to collect that offering that he's going to bring back home uh, to the Jewish believers. So anyway, that's that's chapter 11. They're all good. Man, I, I just love it so much. Uh, I, I just love all of that. We'll pick up here tomorrow morning, chapter 12, and we'll do verses 1 to 25. Chapter 12, whole chapter uh, verses 1 to 25. Have a great Thursday, you all. I love you so much. Uh, it's a busy day for me. It's been a busy week. Just pray for me that I'll get everything done uh, that God wants me to do and that I can do it with a joyful heart. I'll do the, I'll pray the same thing for you, okay? I love you guys so much. Have a great Thursday. See you in the morning in Acts chapter 12, all right? Uh, love you guys.